Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am passionate to tell you about today's show. We're going to be talking about AI. Yep, you've all heard this buzzword all year long, and we're going to dive right in. What is it that we need to know about this subject? How is it going to affect us? How will it make life better? How will it take away some of the things that we're currently assuming, right? So uh, we're going to be joined by my guest, Leland Sellers, who is an uh, instructional designer. He's going to tell you in just a moment what that means for those of you who do not. Welcome, Leland, to the show. It's so nice to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate not only the opportunity, but to discuss this topic with you, which is something I'm very passionate about and that I utilize in my daily activities in life. Thank you so much. Oh, that's great. So some of us are still new at this. We've been hearing this buzzword all year long, um, like more and more. I know AI was invented probably like almost 50 years ago. So it's kind of like laid, you know, down below the surface, behind the curtain. They haven't really brought it to the fore until the self-driving cars and the automated, uh, you know, like the series and the the Amazon products where you just speak into the voice-activated product and it, you know, gives you the answers to certain things. Why all of a sudden are they bringing it out of the closet? Uh, well, I, I want to say... I would say bringing it out of the closet. It's more of a um, it's more of a situation to where we fear the unknown, and we're getting to the point now where the speed of information. This is what I like to talk about: is the speed of information and the speed of technology travel at two different two different paces. Yeah. And, and when we get to the point where technology seems to be running away from us, that's when we have this small panic of trying to figure out well, what can we do and what can we catch up to do this and. And, you know, there needs to be innovation with our laws, uh, the way we govern ourselves, the way we think. You know, 10 years ago, you know, like you said, AI's been around for 50 years. But mm-hmm. 10 years ago, nobody was thinking about knocking on the refrigerator and having the refrigerator tell us what's in it. You know, yeah. we, we just weren't thinking about hey, that. Hey, you're out of butter. Put it on the list or <laughs> whatever. whatever. Yeah, we just weren't <laughs> thinking about that at the point. But now that that's something that is available to us, you know, we're not scared about that. Yeah. We're more worried about the other aspects, but it all goes together. Yeah. It's all tools. And that's yeah. what I love about AI and technology. We're all here to just kind of like build from these situations. As long as we're not scared of change, I don't see anything that goes wrong with it. Gotcha. So just to give us a, a base point, a platform, tell, tell the audience, what do you mean by instructional designer? Well, to be an instructional designer, the first thing you have to do is love to learn. Okay. You absolutely have to love to learn. Every day I come into work, no matter what you know, degree or whatever that I have, um, I come in 
the next day learning something totally new than I did the day before. It's, okay. it's always a platform of building up. And what I do is I basically make content digestible. It's just a simple way of putting it. I'm an, and it's like layman's terms, I like to say an informational architect. I take the things that you, you know or you think you know or you're kind of curious about or how they would they go over or what was this the right audience that you want to say this to. I take all that information and I stack it and make it digestible for other people. So that's kind of what I do. Um, you know, if you were having finance problems, you would go to a financial accountant, a banker, try to figure out what's going on. Right. Or if you wanted to learn more and you've taken an online course, you're taking a college course or whatever you're doing, they come to people like me to build that course and say, hey, this, we need to make sure that these people learn this and let's make this happen. And whether it's company-wide, nationwide, educational, uh, it could be something as simple as a grocery store. Believe it or not, when you walk into the grocery stores, you know, all this information and banners and marquees all over the place, people like me do that kind of stuff so you know where everything is. Gotcha. So you're, you, you break it down into layman's terms or whoever your audience is, break it down to the level that they can understand it, digest it, and then, more importantly, turn around and use it. Is that, that is what you're correct. saying? That is correct. That's that's a very well needed field, <laughs> especially going into this uh, age of technology. It's well needed. Now I know a lot of people are like super scared about AI. The number one question that I get asked is, is AI going to take away my job? And I'm I'm like, of course it is. So that's our job as humans to evolve, and we got to stay two steps ahead or be left behind. You know. So what's your take on? AI. Is it going to take the jobs away? I, I don't want to say it's going to take the jobs away, um, but if you're, like, I can also say that cavemans have evolved. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's a good I, thing. <laughs> I don't want to say that, you know, it's going to take away the job, but I do want to say that expect some changes. There's going yeah. to be changes, you know. There's going to be, uh, recently I, I, you know, in, in conversations that we had, I saw something about a McDonald's. There's a McDonald's opening up that's going to be Zero staff, fully wow. automated. Yeah. Of course, you know, those jobs are going to be affected, and there's going to be jobs that are affected. But right. what about the McFlurry machine? What about the maintenance? What about, you know, the, the window cleaner? There's going to be other things that are going to happen as a result of this happening. And I think sometimes we get caught in, in that little that view and say, well, I can't do this anymore, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't do something else or it doesn't mean that you can't take that experience you know, when that ice cream maker breaks down, they're going to need somebody either to fix it or know how to fix it or come in to fix it or know what to do if that case doesn't happen at all. So there's right. four or more opportunities for everyone. Right. Well, you know, it's uh, – I want to talk about McDonald's for a second. You know, be careful. It's in the category of be careful what you ask for. So there was that woman in Seattle, Washington, and she, you know, said she had two kids, single mom. She says, I can't make ends meet. I can't make a living wage on $8 an hour. So she moaned and complained, and, you know, the state legislature, they said, all right, we're going to make – up the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Well, what the average public doesn't understand is how does business work? I mean, you can raise it to $100 an hour if you want to, but the way 
supply and demand works, the way economic works, is that, yes, I'm going to give this person now $15 an hour, but guess what? Everything is going to rise. In the meanwhile, that's gasoline, the cost of your apartment, the cost of food, the cost of clothing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, equivalent of $8 an hour because everything around you has gone up. So they did passed the law. They did raise it to $15. It did spread even to my state, California, and some of the other Western states, minimum wage, $15 an hour. And so the business owners up there said, look, um, we can't afford that. We can't sell, you know, hamburgers at a reasonable price anymore if we're raising everybody's wage to $15 an hour. So that person got replaced with a kiosk. So now the customer comes in, they've got a kiosk there, I want a you know, Big Mac, I want fries, I want this drink, that drink, whatever. The customer does it themselves. Now, there might be people in the back room that are actually making the food, but that whole ordering thing, she was, in, you know, she was the front line, the cashier, all gone. It's all kiosks now. So you better be careful what you ask for because McDonald's was never meant to be a lifelong job. It was always meant to be an entry-level job for high school kids or you, you just lost your job, you need to have a couple of bucks in your pocket to pay for gas or whatever. It was never meant to be a career job. So, you know, what are you going to say? If technology can take over, I think it will. I'm not sure where I can add to that one. <laughs> it, it seems like I mean, that's, there are so many points in, in, in that, that example that you gave me. There's so many points that I can see. Um, yeah. The first point that I can see is I can understand. In California, definitely, cost of living is, is totally different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in North Carolina, so I totally get it. The cost of living is, is totally different. Um, yeah. I, I've had the pleasure of traveling around the country and seeing all the different prices and changes. I went to Delaware and ordered something uh, there, which would cost me five bucks here, and it was fifteen there. Wow! So, so okay. just just that little bit of difference, I can understand how pricing needs to change, and the, and yeah. the life and the cost of living needs to change. However, the the value of life doesn't. Yeah. So if you value yourself and you value your time, um, like you said, you know these kind of positions may not be a permanent position. Research, and you have to have that personal thing, you know, leaving the, like the politics and the mindset and everything kind of out of it. You got to have the mindset of saying, you know, when my daughter graduated, my daughter graduated high school a couple of years ago, and she just wanted to work, a, you know, regular fast food job because all of her teenage friends were going. I said, no problem. If that's what you want to do, no problem. Understand that you're going to be always here. You're already right. settled here. I said, but if you want to do that, believe it or not, McDonald's, not many people know about it, but there's something that they offer called Hamburger University. Right. Where right. they teach you how to be a manager. And if you become a manager, you get it's a program to where you can get a business degree, like a two-year business degree from McDonald's that's like mm -hmm. credited and certified. If you want to go that route, then go that route. But yeah. don't just stop and then say, because I stopped myself here, that I expect everything to change for me. Right. That's, 
that's where the difference is. Uh, so I can I totally exist or, or believe that certain jobs should exist yeah. at a salary cap, but that that's the amount of effort that you want to put in. If that's the, the level that you can achieve, if that's the situation that you're in. You know, I washed cars. Uh, I went and worked for Autobail at one point in time, made tips, and was making $3 an hour with the tips and so on and so forth. Had to do what I had to do during that time frame, but it was working towards something else. I never complained about the actual position because I knew what that position was. So right. I, I totally agree with that, but I also think that people and their expectations and the things that they have, they're going to have to level themselves up to grasp more of an idea. There's um, my other daughter just left here a little while ago, and uh, she has experiences with like Bath and Body Works and a couple other places where they pay her $15 an hour, so on and so forth, and she's looking for this job. And in 15 minutes, because of the Internet, because of technology, because of where we are right now, because of COVID and all these things are happening right now, there were jobs that were paying 35 to $50 an hour working from home where she just has to take pictures or she just has to answer a phone or she just, yeah. has, just has to have Internet. It's not even a major thing. So I can totally understand both sides of that argument. Like, I totally yeah. agree. I don't want to have an inflated quarter pounder. I don't need that McDonald's much anyway. But oh, yeah. the inflated price of a quarter pounder with a smaller box and a smaller bun to compensate because somebody may be complacent. Right. That's right. Totally she good. just wasn't ask, asking the right question, I think. And I agree with you there. It's nice to want to be able to provide for your family, but there are so many behind-the-scenes jobs that she could have taken, hey, do you have something in management? Or, hey, do you have something next next level up or even um, they have taste testers like whenever they come out with a new product you know McFlurry this or Mc you know french fry that or whatever and you know they make 15 different versions of that food so they need someone to taste it like no I don't like the mouth feel this one was too crunchy this one was too soft this one was too salty or whatever she just didn't ask the right question because there are Usually, most companies, they do have those auxiliary positions. And if they don't, hey, create one. Be valuable to your employee. Show your worth. Say, you know, if you want to be that $15 an hour person, you know, think out of the box sometimes. Create your own position that, you know, you've been working there for quite a long, long time. Um, I don't know. You don't like the way they mop the floors or whatever. Maybe you have a better floor mopping mechanism or something. Whatever it is, the, you know, creativity goes a long way in, you know, climbing the ladder, I think. Absolutely. It, it goes to say, or it goes to show, like, when you're in that mindset of determination and focus, like there's really nothing you can do or like nothing you can't do. There's just nothing you can't do. Um, when, when I got my, my master's degree, I was, I won't say the place because I respect them, but I was doing janitorial work at the same time. So yeah. taking out the trash and, and dumping, you know, college kids, you know, stuff and just, I was doing the situation because in all honesty, one, it was the same job. Two, I was prepping to see what that school was like so my daughter could attend. Uh, okay. So I wanted to know everything about it, but the job paid me like $12 an hour or something like that, but I was in it for two different reasons. Yeah. Because it was going to pay out for my daughter. It was going to pay out for the situation. It was going to pay out for me to know and get the connections and get the inside and 
So all of that was there to, to pave the way for, for that situation. And I think sometimes, like, we, we stop. We really stop ourselves in the comfort. We stop ourselves in that moment and say, okay, well, I don't like this because AI is coming, and AI is going to change the way I live. Mm-hmm. AI is going to change the way that I do things. Not utilizing AI in a way to help us grow or help us do stuff. I, I pay a gentleman now every week to cut my grass because working – for me, it would be detrimental to my growth financially to go outside and do this for a couple hours yeah. as opposed to being doing And you're this. just being practical. I mean, it's not a judgment. It's just being practical. Right. Um, sometime I, I might replace him sometime in the next year or two because <laughs> we have robots now that can do it. And uh, for what I pay him in a year, I could buy two robots. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it may happen. But until we get there, you know, right now we're fine. Nice. By the way, of my listening audience, if you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about AI. We're all in. Look at that, AI. We're all in. And what is it that you need to know about this subject? You're on with my guest today, Leland Sellers. And call in. Leland's here to take your comments or questions. 323-642-1677. 323-642-1677. Or if you're too shy, I'll look for you on the chat line. And if you're listening live, our chat line is blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash DT Linda Gross forward slash DT Linda Gross. All right, so let's move on. I think um, uh, Elon Musk had one of the best definitions of AI I've ever heard. And, you know, everyone's getting scared. Am I going to lose my job, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, look, do you have a cell phone? Of course, everybody, almost everybody today has a cell phone, right? He goes, your cell phone is the beginning stages of AI. That cell phone is customized to you. It, it knows your habits. It knows whether you want the notification light on or off. It knows whether you want the, the ringer on, the sound on or off. It knows when you wake up. It knows when you sleep. It knows how many hours you're on social media. I mean, it's a, it, it knows what apps you like. If let's say you have a fitness app, it, it'll it'll remind you and say, hey, you haven't logged in your lunch today in the fitness app. Please do that so we can count your calories for the day. Like whatever, it knows you better than your mom knows you. All right. So that is already the beginning stages of AI, and I just love that definition because it's so true. Um, do you want to add to what he was saying, or when the when the product or the service is free, the uh-huh. product is you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very simple. It's, it's, you know, Facebook is free. It's, it's, you can run it, but the product is you. It's okay. kind of simple that way. The Instagram, you know, whatever social media outlets, the product's you. You know, they make the most uh, out of your algorithm, out of your information, out of what you like, what you're clicking, and, and the advertisements to, to go the way that they want them to go and how to distribute them. All that is you're the product. Uh, it's People tend to forget that kind of thing. But, I, I mean, I do understand, and as you know, I'm pretty hard on social media to reach. <laughs> you yeah. know. 
know, so, but I understand that. And, and there's other tips that I do to help me utilize social media and AI and, and Google and algorithms. And there's a lot of things that I do to help me financially, uh, as well as these deals, discounts, and so on and so forth. I'll, I'll be sure to teach that in another class. But I do a lot of little things that helps me. I literally spent, excuse me, I saved about $200 this week on, on products just by utilizing some tips, knowing the algorithm, knowing the AI, knowing how they work. It's just little yeah. tips like that. And I mean, the computer can always out-calculate you, but it can't out-human you. It can't out-predict your movements. It can't out-predict the way you think. And if you understand it, it's even better for you. Right. All right, let's define a couple of terms that we keep hearing a, a, along the way. The difference between machine learning and general learning. Well, what do they mean by those two terms? Well, and to, me, you know. yeah. to me, it all depends on who's asking the question. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes those definitions change. Okay. Sometimes they change a lot. Now, I'm, I may be unfamiliar in, in the aspects that you're using them. Um, so if you, if you want to tighten that up for me, I'll be more than happy. Yeah, like, like in an AI context, it's saying, you know, machine learning. I guess that means like the machines are learning from the – like humans program the machines, but then the machines get better and better, that they're, that they're constantly upgrading the algorithms, they're constantly refining it, and they're, get be they're getting better independently of human interaction. I think there, that's what they're meaning. There are, there are certain, I can't remember the name of the android, but there's an android that simulates human emotion. Okay. To me, in my sci-fi mind, as you can see, my comic book related, um, that scares me, I don't know how many ways from Sunday. Um, okay. There's, if you put five people in a room, chances of them, three of them may not like each other. <laughs> chances are. Yeah. So, um, for, to have a computer to try to recreate that, and computers aren't going to necessarily think of restraint, or they're not necessarily going to think of empathy, or they're not necessarily going to think of, um, you know, just reading other people's emotions and feeling empathetic towards that, or sympathy, or those are certain traits that we have that we can't necessarily put into an equation. Okay. So that kind of, like, scares me a little bit. They can say the words, oh, I'm sorry for you, but there's an unquantifiable need or, or feeling that happens inside of us that you just can't replicate into a formula. So I'm a little bit worried about certain things like that. Um, yeah. I'm, I, won't say, I don't know if the name of the company, I don't know it, but I think they have a terrible practice, and that's my personal opinion. I think they have an absolute terrible practice. Financially, I understand. Great, great job. Um, I guess I should tell you what it is. They hired an AI chatbot for uh, a mental health, an extreme mental health hotline, an extreme situation. Without saying the word, it's an extreme situation, and they have an AI chatbot to answer. I think that is, like, one of the worst situations you already see where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if it goes yeah. wrong? <laughs> if it goes wrong or a glitch in the system says the wrong thing or the misinterpretation of 
the different dialects and, and all the different cultures that we have, it could go south so fast. But financially, I understand. You don't have to hire a person. You don't have to treat a person for the, you know, at the same time, if you're programming, programming this uh, mechanical intelligence yeah. to pick up on human emotion and evolve off of human emotion, what do you think that does to the computer that stores all that information 24 hours a day? Yeah. I wonder if they have another robot or another system that's monitoring this, the, the chat GPT uh, function. They, they more than likely have to. Or Meaning that if these keywords show up in the conversation, um, hey, you might be entering a danger zone and maybe we need to, you know, hit the red light that the human does jump on board. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that should be more of a thing. I, I don't – I wouldn't mind gatekeepers, at least for the first 20 years until we figure out things, you know, whatever you're experiencing – check A through whatever, and then go through the first couple of questions with an AI to get to the person. That way the person can hone in on some of the things that they need to and connect it. I think as a coach, that's like, that would be invaluable to us to, to know what's happening before we even touch bases with the person. That way we can direct it. Um, I think that would be invaluable. But a whole call or a whole situation not necessarily sure about that. There's certain things that you can – I know you've had people or clients to where because you know them, you kind of know what they're thinking. You know what the direction they're going, even though there's no evidence of that in the conversation or how they – you just kind of know that because of your gut or your feeling. There's certain things that just can't process or you can't calculate. And uh, I think we, we need to look at that a little bit more intensively later. So a lot of the engineers are making claims that, you know, a lot of these robots are emotionally uh, equipped and trained and they're getting better and better with each phone call or each interaction. Um, are they just puffing? <laughs> Maybe that's they're not quite as ahead as they claim they are? Or is this a reality that the, the robots are getting better in these emotional areas? I think both, but they, they also have to understand that with, with humans and, and the people, we often change as well. Yeah. There was a time frame to where a uh, over-the-phone salesman was a full-time job. Now, it's, it's, it may still be a job, but it's extremely hard to get somebody on the phone now when everybody has a phone. Why is that possible? Mm-hmm. One, our, our acceptance for human interaction have changed. Our conversations to talk to strangers have changed. <laughs> our ability to trust has changed. All these things have changed. If I even hear a phone conversation and somebody says hello in my first name, it's usually two seconds before I'm, I'm hung up the phone. Yeah. So, yes, they can learn, but are they learning from just the script of information? And, and that's where... We're going to change every time. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know. Yes, it could be getting better, but better towards what sliding scale? Yeah. It's so funny. In just a span of a couple of decades, <laughs> we went from answering machines where you would turn the key 
you know, to unlock the front door or the garage door or whatever, and you came in, you could see from like 40 feet away, there was a red blinking light, which meant that you had a, um, a voicemail, right, on your machine. And you were so excited, and you get closer to the machine, and it said, oh, you have two, two messages. Um, and you, you would always, like, return all the calls, and you would be excited to return the calls. Now it's like, you know, even from your immediate family members, you make a decision to not take the call with no explanation, no hitting the little button that says, oh, can I call you later? I'm in the middle of something. Nothing. You just ignore the call, and nobody thinks anything of it. So I, I can it, add straight to that. Um, yeah. Sorry, I can add straight to that. It's my mother's um, first fancy car was the Chrysler New Yorker, and that was yeah. one of the first cars that talked to you, told you when your door was open. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, just, it, you know, we were so fancy, and we felt really special when that car came out. Okay. About a year later, we were like, oh, would you just shut up? Can I unplug that thing? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's where we are with technology in certain aspects. It's like we just don't want to be bothered or to, to any of those things. I really think that's where we are, just to kind of piggyback to that point. And that's what I mean, uh, that sliding scale, you just kind of, we don't want to hear it. So you think we've just gone to a, a a position of system overload that we we're up to here we can't take one more incoming anything. The speed of information versus the speed of technology. Technology is fine, but we haven't figured out how to adapt our lifestyle in a comfortable speed. Uh-huh. So where we're ready to move to the next thing. Because we're being bombarded with so much stuff, we're trying to ground and, and get footing. Yeah. We're really just trying to, you know, slide all over the place. We're, we're just trying to get caught up to that. You know, QR codes have been out for, what, 18 years? Yeah. We're just now getting to the point where we use them a little bit more frequently. Mm-hmm. They almost died, and then they were resurrected and came back. So we're just now getting to that point and in, in sliding into technology with our information, you know? So... I mean, that's just the way I think about it because of my field. I see certain things that I'm like, ooh, this would be cool. But then yeah. I have to think about my audience and go, they would have no idea what I'm talking about. They wouldn't know what I'm doing. So it's, yeah. being in this field has helped me see those kind of things. You know, what do you think about um, – I don't know how to describe this. I, I'm going to just call it mental AI. Uh, what that means is – is Elon Musk once said that it currently it takes too many seconds to type out the message that your daughter is going to say, Dad, I'm at the mall, I'm with my girlfriend Jolie, and we're getting some ice cream, we'll be home around 5 o'clock. That takes too long to type all that out, right? And you can use the audio feature, and that saves a little more time. But the new wave of AI is you think it, and the message will be sent. So, and the reason why I know this is already in place, I'll give you a little example. I was at my um, at my producer's house. We were we were working on a reel on a video clip, and um, anyway, he had to take a call. He had to step to the other room. Okay, so I'm sitting there waiting in his studio, and over there on the counter, I see something called um, sour cherry. It was like a vitamin bottle or something. And I had, I had, 
I, I had never heard that sour cherry was a vitamin or a supplement or whatever. And I looked at it. I meant to, made a mental note of it. I didn't have my phone with me. I had actually forgotten my phone in the car. Didn't have the phone. Wasn't at my place, so I wasn't near my computer. I swear to God, and nor did I mention this to my producer, like, what is that? Because I was curious. So I get home, turn on the computer, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because I turned the computer on, and the ad that I see next to my email says, sour cherry. So it's like, woo, how did that happen? Like I didn't talk it. I didn't type it. I didn't say it. How did it know that I wanted to look it up when I got home? And then I went on Amazon or whatever it was, and I typed in, then I did it on purpose, typed it in, and there were like 17 different companies that made this sour cherry. And guess what? The ad that I saw when I first got home was the exact same company as what was on his counter there. How did that happen? I call it mental AI, but <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> well, um, I'm going to give away a cheat code a little bit. Um, so there's certain information inside of your phone that is absolutely being recorded, listened to at all times, um, at just all times. Uh, there's location sharing, there's recent purchase made sharing, documents, like there's a bunch of things that's kind of going across at all times. Um, okay. And this is, I'm, I'm trying to, I guess I'll just have to say it. So one of the cheat codes that I use, yeah. <laughs> one of the cheat codes I use is I understand that that's what that's doing. I totally understand that that's what that's doing. So sometimes... Okay. I will go in and I'll scan items because you can scan items uh, on Google. If you do a Google search and like on your phone and you're in a store, there's a barcode scanner inside of Google Shopping. Okay. I'm giving this one away for free. So you can literally scan the item. Yeah. It'll pull up. Google will spell that information to absolutely everybody Uh, that wants it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody that wants it. I might even add it to a checkout. I'll close my phone and walk away and leave it alone. A day later, two days later, I'll get a discount code. I'll get a promo code. Right. I'll get a sale. <laughs> so then I'll actually do the shopping because now I'm saving this or I'm cutting the price down or buying. Now right. I'll do it because all this promotional stuff is coming my way, and I use the algorithm to help me and save right. a couple hundred dollars here and there. So. Those are, those are the type of things, and, and the reason it does it is because it's able to check. You know, when you go to grocery shopping, it, it literally is able to check what aisle you're on and how long you're on that aisle and the targets of the things that you're able to. And, and those grocery stores pay big money for that kind of stuff and that kind of information. Another thing is you've ever been to a grocery store that redesigns everything like every six months, and you're like, why? Yeah. It's, it's because of human behavior. Human behavior, they figured out that the longer that you walk around somewhere, the more likely you're going to make a purchase. So if they make it as confusing as possible, you're going to make spontaneous purchases. And they shuffle things around. Like what used to be an aisle six now is an aisle 10, for example. And it's not necessarily in the same order. And when you get to aisle 10, 
it's like, wow, there's this new product that I never saw before. It's because go. they've moved things around, and that new product, maybe it used to be live on aisle eight. So it wasn't even part of the aisle six crowd. <laughs> Absolutely. So, by yeah, they, they want to, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that, that sour cherry thing, I didn't even have my phone next to me. I had forgotten it in my car. It slipped through between the seats. I didn't even have the phone next to me. And I didn't utter one word to my friend, like, what is that? Didn't type it. Didn't, and it wasn't until I got home. And it knew that I was looking at that product. It was like, woo, <laughs> this maybe, is so freaky. Maybe the ads, um, because we can go into the ads and talk about how the ads are targeted. Um, yeah. It, it'll be a, you know, a certain demographic ad that will hit those people. And you, since you're friends with this person, it right. will trigger that. That could be the other factor, too. Yeah. Who knows? All right, let's hop into the the hot topic of GPT, chat GPT. What's important about it? What do we need to know? What are some of the the strengths and pitfalls of it? Strengths first. Okay. Uh, strength. If you are like a mechanic, you're a mechanic, you love tools. Simple. You love tools because they help you get the job done faster, easier than just using a, uh, a wrench or something along those lines. But it, it helps you out to do whatever you need to do. Okay. I love the idea of a, a chat GPT or a AI writing device. I love the idea of it. What I don't like, um, no, let me stay with the straight. What I love about it is that for someone like like you, someone like that has like a message and, and a way to do that, um, you have to hire a whole staff to do a bunch of things, writing a book, writing a novel, getting a message across. What if you wanted to have a playwright telling your story? What if that device can help you expedite all of that and maximize what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish? What would take you years could take you a week. Okay. I think that's a huge strength and a huge yeah. bonus. Um, yeah. And, and, then, and ultimately, it helps people because your message will help people. Your intention is to help people. I think mm-hmm. that's absolutely amazing. The weaknesses or the things that I don't like about it, every tool has a warning. <laughs> <laughs> every yeah. tool has a warning. There speed of information, speed of technology. We, we haven't caught up for ourselves. It's a great idea, but then there are certain things that I feel like we are going to lose certain parts. Um, okay. What if I used a chat to write my college doctoral dissertation? <laughs> See where that's the problem? That could be a huge problem. There's going to be things where you can't take credit for or because it's the process is meant to develop you. The process is meant to develop your mind. The process is meant and people are going to skip those steps. 
There will be a time when somebody can figure out how to do it. There will be a time where someone becomes a doctor and has no idea because everything was done off of an AI somewhere. Yeah. That is absolutely scary because I will be going in for my checkup trying to figure out whether or not they know what they know or if I need surgery and then this person is like, I've never even, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of problems that I see coming from that. Uh, but what its intended use was, absolutely great. The things that are going to be abused by it, presidential speeches, for example, politician <laughs> speech, like there's, there's so much that I can see it's going to be abused, but I also see the good in it. And I feel yeah. like you should have some kind of, I don't know, balance in that. Yeah, but the problem is who's going to be the arbiter. I mean, that's a big issue also. Yeah, that that very example that you're talking about, my daughter came home today and um, she's on the board for this particular honor society and the new applicants are sending in their essays and there was an applicant who sent in his essay uh, by using chat GPT, which would have been fine, but it was my daughter said it was so clumsy and not edited. And, you know, yes, ChatGPT GPT can give you the outline and the meat of it, but you still got to soften the edges. You got to put it in your own language. You got to put it in your own tempo. And this applicant did none of those things. He just submitted it as is. And, of course, you know, the board looked at that and threw it out because he put no effort into it. So had he finessed it a little bit, he probably would have gotten by, but that wasn't the case. He was just, you know, clumsy, like I say. He thought he could get away with it, and that didn't work too well. Well, he didn't have the experience that we were talking about to actually go through with the process, and that's where it can be so dangerous when people get that experience and know how to to, to manipulate these, these full programs. If, if there's a danger there, um, yeah. but... I also, once again, I see the good in it as well. There's, there's, you know, for example, just, just another random example. Uh, let's say a doctor overseas that doesn't speak, you know, the language finds a revolutionary, you know, procedure or fix to something. Right. And he has to translate that over to us. That program can help. Yeah. There's, and do it quickly. Just do it, <laughs> like, really quick. So there's, so many good things that have that can happen, but I. But when we get to the general public, I think there's some things that we maybe shouldn't have access to. Just maybe, um, right? At least until we figure out the effects of how it's not to, to happen. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot going on in the health department in the health field with regard to um, all this AI. Um, you know, rescue mis- missions that are, like, really far away, let's say they're in a remote area, they, they I don't know, they were hiking in the mountains or whatever, and, um, you know, they, an accident happens, and now they have to be rescued, maybe a helicopter is involved. So you've got the doctor who's, you know, like two hours away in the hospital giving instruction to the EMT or the helicopter co-pilot or whatever on here's what you do with the patient until you get here. 
so, you know, a lot of that, you know, they're trying to translate, you know, that sort of effort where I guess they're inputting, you know, here's the trauma signs, you know, what what do we do next? And, and, you know, AI is picking up that gap and whatever the AI didn't pick up on, the doctor at the hospital that's waiting for you um, is telling you know, telling the, the person what, what the rest of the story is, what, what else they could be doing to save that person's life. So it's pretty exciting stuff, I, especially, especially for somebody that's not trained in medical. I mean, like I said, it could be the co-pilot of the heli- helicopter thing. So, you know. I, I love that idea and, and where I think there's like an information gap because that's what I'm saying. we got to eventually catch up. We, we have to eventually catch up. The technology there's there's a little bit of information in the user gap yeah you know we have I have an iPhone and I have an Apple watch and my wife does as well and uh, they have an amazing feature on there with the health app that if she falls it'll notify me oh wow okay. so I'll get notified which as you can imagine I definitely was highly excited about the uh, ability to detect that especially when she was going to go roller skating recently. So, so that was like a huge thing for me. I was like, okay, please make sure that's turned on so we know. And it would give me the signal. It would give me you know, her location. I think that's right. amazing that I could, you know, if, if something happened, I would be able to get to her. I would have all of her health, um, you know, records. Data, like, you know, what she's allergic to or whatever. I would have all of that on the phone, on my wrist. Uh, the only thing that would bother me where I said well, we have to catch up is because even if I still got to work and, and was able to make it to the ambulance or take it to the hospital, I would still have to say all that information again instead of scanning something to check her in. Oh, wow. Where's see, that QR code when you need it? See, that's what I'm talking about. We have that little bit of a gap, but everything else, absolutely great. I, I love that idea. I love it. The doctor can come in and say, oh, she's had a history of this. Look at her heart rate for the last 30 days or 60 days and have all of that there. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So, so what companies, in your view, are currently like leading the way with regard to AI? Ooh, good question. So, I believe they are fighting right now. These two companies, I believe, they're absolutely fighting right now to kind of not only lead the way, but to dominate your time. Okay. Um, that is Apple. Yep. And Meta. Mm-hmm. I believe they're absolutely fighting right now to take a market. In the next four, four or five years, when this market comes in, I think that they are trying to be the industry leaders in that and dominate it from here on. Hmm. And what's your thoughts about uh, Microsoft or? Google, are, are they right behind, or, or they're much further behind? I think, so with, with Google, to me, um, Google is a great resource, but I don't know if they're a great product. And I don't, I don't okay. mean that as in like a web search, because I Google everything. I don't mean that as in, but that's still more of a tool to me. When mm-hmm. I think more product, you know, um, I'm not rushing to get a Google Pixel with a phone. I'm not rushing to get that phone. Uh, I'm not rushing to get Google Glasses. And I'm a huge tech nerd. I'm not rushing to get Google Glasses. 
I'm not, I don't see something that I can use it for other right. than the space of Google. I, I love Google uh, UX design. I love their, their program. I love their, I love their stuff, but they're more of a software to me mm-hmm. and a tool. But I don't see them in that field. Um, Apple is introducing augmented reality. Uh, they're, you know, they have the Bitmojis and all this other stuff that where you can insert yourself into an AR situation or, or, or augmented reality situation. They have the, the Apple Pay. The, they have all these other features that you actually utilize outside of just your phone to where your phone is becoming a tool to where you are in the real world. Uh, okay. I still have to go to Google on my phone <laughs> You know, so it's still kind of like a little different. Um, and then Facebook, I know that Facebook is trying to do, you know, Oculus, but I know that there's a couple of things that they're trying to do, and that's the metaverse. Yeah. And they're also trying to introduce virtual reality, concerts, tours, virtual uh, workspaces where people – I mean, it's a smart play to where – Instead of, I'm sitting in front of five monitors right now, but like, it's a smart place for Facebook to say, here, distribute these glasses, and you can have as many windows as possible open. You can have as many monitors as you want in a virtual space without having to plug in all this stuff. It's smart. Yeah. It's, just a, it's a very smart place. Now, will they be able to make it applicable to their business? I don't know. Because you still have to kind of deal with Facebook and you still have to kind of deal with the metaverse and like I don't really know if that's gonna be something, but I know they're fighting for that. And I know that for artists like millions, millions, you know, multi million following artists who can't make it to everywhere, they they don't they don't have to. Now they can sell right. in a warehouse somewhere and perform in front of seventy seven million people across the world. All okay. at the same time. They bought a virtual ticket. That, right. that's, a, that's a whole different feel. Or um, if you've been to sporting events anytime soon, NBA and NFL, a couple other places have a camera set up midcourt or halfway or midfield. They have a mm-hmm. camera set up, and those are for people that buy virtual tickets. They can put on their little goggles and get a screenshot or a live shot from the 50 and a half and see the whole game. So they sell that one ticket however many times over. Right. I think it's a great thing. Virtual car shows, virtual car shopping. You put on things, you can sit behind the wheel. It's very smart. It's very smart. I, I love it. Uh, I would love to be in 360 cameras. You, have you noticed that certain realtors are using 360 views now? Right. Yeah. I like the, really I like the car idea because – it is allowing you to actually open the car door and get in, sit down, feel the dashboard, the layout, the smell of the leather, like whatever it is. I mean, it's it's very experiential. So yeah, it's I, I think great strides are being made in in those areas, and like you say, uh, real estate as well. Uh, oh, while we're on real estate, <laughs> the virtual property thing is just really taking off this 
buy right. fake come to the metaverse and buy fake real estate uh beachfront property or whatever it is I, I i still don't get the logic of that it's like i don't know why people would pay good money for something that's fake but they are i i totally get it i totally get it and to be honest with you um i said this i'm gonna if i was flexible enough i've had myself on the back of the I, I, this is it, though. I can't reach all the way. But if I, if I, it was, let me see, it was 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I called this one. Um, okay. PlayStation 2 had a, a service where they called PlayStation Home. And it was an online game to where you logged on. And this is when not many people were even doing online anything. It's PlayStation 2. Come on. So, like, the thing was just barely getting into the Internet. But they had a little virtual world, like the Sim, and you could interact with other Sim-like characters in other spots. And so, like, you could have, you know, Vegas, for example, and you could have, you know, a little hotel room that was your apartment in Vegas. And it was a recreation of whatever they had in Vegas. I saw then the potential of what they were doing. Now, it may not sound like much to me and you as being a person that can go travel and do whatever, mm-hmm. but you're also talking about somebody that resides in a space inside the, the Lux Hotel in, in Vegas, mm-hmm. overviewing whatever spot that they're looking at. Okay. So whatever billboards, whatever property, whatever advertisements that are there, I know it probably disgusts you, but like literally thinking about that, you have that that's the potential there. That is the money there because you have people would pay for a penthouse in a virtual space yeah. as opposed to the bottom floor, even though I mean, we're we're dealing with DLCs and, and video game content. I'm a gamer nerd, obviously this is what I do, but I'm a gamer nerd. And we're talking about a game that has, just for an example, we're talking about a game that has two, three million monthly players. Okay? If we have two, three million monthly players that are paying a subscription, then we're buying different tiers. Then we're buying cosmetics. Then we're, <laughs> we're, we're adding on all these things. What's the difference between a, a, a loss? or a mansion suite as opposed to the 50th floor or a building that you have to be a premier to even get in. There is no yeah. difference. It's right. just a matter of, like, what money people are doing and, and showing off. People are going to do that anyway. So it, it was so – I was so into it because I knew this is going to be digital real estate. This is going to be digital trading. This is going to be what if you can't afford – a vacation to, to, to Vegas. And maybe because the world is getting smaller now, so there's a lot of long-distance relationships. Yeah. What if you want to meet your spouse and say, hey, virtually, let's go to Vegas together. Let's have this room. Let's spend this time together. It's, it's there, and it's a actual one-to-one recreation of the actual place. Wow. Okay. I kind of turned you on that one, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> because I, of, I wasn't understanding it before. It wasn't computing. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of little, you know, tips in that. And whatever restaurants and advertising that they can have around there, 
Don't think that if I didn't own a fancy little restaurant that I wouldn't want that recreated in the game, too. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, my audience, we just have a couple of minutes left here. We're on with my guest, Leland uh, Sellers. Um, you can find him. Uh, actually, he's got a he's a holistic life coach as well. If you want to reach out to him on Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash holistic coach. Facebook.com forward slash holistic coach. All right. Make that happen. So, um, and if you happen to have missed last week's show, you'll want to tune in for that. We're, we talked to uh, Navy SEAL expert Jovan Quarles, and he talked about being more, dive in, do more than what's asked of you. And all of his dreams came true because he was just putting in a little bit more effort than the next person. and. He's a decorated veteran of 22 years, and boy, did he school us on a few things. So all good there. All right, um, Leland, so uh, in closing, um, do you have a couple of final thoughts you'd like to share with us? Maybe uh, for those of us who want to jump into AI, what's like a good starting point to get the ball rolling? Um, YouTube University. (laughs) YouTube University. Always be cautious about the information that's out there or what you're, you know, you're looking for or trying to understand uh, because there's going to be different iterations. Please check the dates or whatever you look up. Uh, right. Technology changes so fast, you might be looking for something out of date. Just be cautious about that. And um, always just look at reliable sources. If I don't want to say you have to do diligent work and vet your sources, but nine times out of ten, if whoever you're watching on the YouTube channel that, that is teaching you something, if they seem genuinely calm, just calm. Not excited, yeah. not, not happy, not just calm about it. Yeah. They, they love what they do, and they're going to be very informative. So that's my tip for that. Very good. And I asked you about leading uh, companies, are there leading countries in the world that are really paving the way for AI? I don't know if America is still ahead of the pack in this game. What do you I, think? I want to say, unfortunately, I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. I, I know, I'm not, right? I'm not a trader, I promise. Um, <laughs> there's, there's I, I don't think we're in the top four. Ooh, Wow. We've slipped that much, huh? I don't think we're in the top four. There's so many different things uh, that is out there right now that I know of, that, that I'm aware of, that that blows anything out of the doors and out of the waters that we have. Um, there's a car company. I think it's a Chinese car company. I don't I think it's not wrong. I don't know what it is, but I think it's a Chinese car company. Yeah, I think it is Chinese. Badu? No, I was thinking about Neo. Okay. Um, Neo is going to be a competitor of Tesla, and they just got publicly traded. Um, but some of their cars have four-wheel access to where the wheels turn before it, to parallel park. Um, wow. There's there's robots built into the dashboard that read your facial expressions, so you don't have road rage and kind of like calm you <laughs> down. Like there's like we're not even thinking about that kind of stuff yet. Road rage is wow. part of our culture, so like, we're not thinking about that. 
Um, wow. There's there's above above road train travel. Right. So where the the street the normal street traffic goes fine, and then they have a train like built on top of it, so that it, your bus or public transportation never gets caught in traffic. Um, so that they're thinking about that kind of thing. Um, about ten years ago, there was a Volkswagen. Please don't, please don't. <laughs> but there was a Volkswagen that, and catch your jaw when I say this. Yeah. Got three hundred and thirty miles per gallon. Oof. And that's ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not allowed here. So things like that. I don't even think we're in the top four, to be honest. But I'm supposed to say yes. I'm supposed to say we're there. There's always time to catch up. Uh, yeah, I, I hope we will. I hope but we, we got to do better. I hope we will. Yeah, I, I think there'll be a big influx of people who are going into the AI field because it's emerging, you know, like anything else. It's, you know, first it was the ra- railroads, then it was uh, the Internet, you know, in the next 100 years, and I think this coming 100 years, I think a lot of people will jump in. So maybe we can make up for lost ground. Leland, it's been fascinating and so cool to have you here today. We'll have to do a part two on this one as further developments happen. I really appreciated your being here today. Thank you so much for having me. And, of course, anytime that I can, I'll be more than happy to come back. Awesome. We'll love that. All right, my audience, let's pay a bill, and then we'll close out the show. Thanks for joining us. And now, The Science of Mastering Women is on audiobook. Yes, you can get it too. So go to awesound, A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D, dot com forward slash Linda Gross. That's awesound, A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D, dot com forward slash Linda Gross. Also, you can find it on all the popular platforms, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, and much, much more. See you then. Yep, just like the commercial says, there's so many platforms out there, 50 platforms, I understand, for the audiobook now. So the science of mastering women, do pick that up. Thanks, audience, for being here today. It was a pleasure. We'll see you next time on, well, this was a special time, so we'll see you at our regular time, which is 3 p.m. on Wednesday. So Wednesday the 19th, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Bye for now. We'll see you next time.